1: Welcome to episode number 286 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Phallax Fast, Phallax Fast, Phallax Fast. Joined, as always, by the inventor
2: of HitterList himself, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? Yeah, I mean, it it was in my head, you know, and people were like, oh, you should start HitterList.com, too, for all the the hitting things, and I always said, why would I do that? So, we have staff that does it, but... Mm -hmm. You're saying that today because we're actually going to talk about hitters. We're
1: going to talk about a lot of hitters. I also appreciate you not acknowledging that small miniature stroke that I don't know I had. what you're talking about. Know. It was just natural to <laughs> me. No, for the first ten seconds I was like checking their podcast app. Like, is he okay? Or oh, did I skip? Do these things skip like an old CD? Yes. Yeah, As Nick hit it on the head, we're going to be spending a, a lot of time today talking about Pictures and for good reason. So uh, you're you, this is a, a few days after we recorded this when people are listening to this. Yeah, right we're now. gonna.
2: It's gonna be about a week or so.
1: But you've been listening to a lot of our mock drafts and the recaps that Nick has been doing with various people in the mock drafts and then mine with Nick, but we wanted to take some time to acknowledge people who weren't drafted, but people who were considered, right? So if you're going through that mock draft list, you're like, wait a second, how come no one talked about Jeff McNeil? How come no one talked about Anthony Santander or, or you know, John Gray or, or Kyle Seeger? Well, guess what, you dingus, that's what we're doing in this podcast, and that's why I, I threw it to Nick and said that we're going to be talking about a lot of hitters today as
2: Nick realized he realizes he made a mistake, I believe. Nick, what did you make a mistake about? Well, I said this would be episode 286. I think it's actually going to be 287. So, hey, episode 287, we did it. Mm-hmm. You got to understand, we did all these wonderful mock draft podcasts, and we're kind of putting them out as we go. We hope this is 286 or 287. I don't know. It's an episode of On the Corner. It's not 300 yet. <laughs> I don't know we're who that
1: person is yeah. who's listening to this and goes,
2: well, they ruined it.
1: I'm only follow along in sequential
2: order. Where am I? It's the offseason, all right? There's a lot of things that don't change that much, and we can do that kind of thing. It's not like in-season if we were talking about, hey, this guy's a top 40 pitcher next week. It's like, Nick, how is he on the top 100 anymore? Yeah. It's not like that, and it's the offseason. And, yeah, and by the time you're listening to this, it, it is the offseason. Yeah, it's true. The
1: insert team here won the World Series. <laughs> they won it in game. Six insert seven. game here. <laughs> they won it there. You're going to have to go do a lot of posts with this one and put it, the Astros won the World Series. are the Atlanta won the World Series. Uh, <laughs> why do you have to
2: make it sound like a robot? You know, you, you just say it.
1: Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> You're <not the> robot.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know why. Anyway, what a wonderful final game that was! Unbelievable, you know, crazy. I, I didn't I can't see it believe coming. it went. Ten innings That <laughs> <laughs> was unbelievable And the winning pitcher was Charlie Morton Who I, came back from An injury that it's not. <laughs> no,
2: That's the no, only one we You missed th- twist. He came, know, back. came back Yeah yeah he well, They really back. could have used him In game five That's actually kind of You, you know use him any game No I know But it was 4 nothing. And like Charlie Morton there Maybe doesn't come 4-4 And stuff If he's not injured So, wait, I do want to use the fact that it hasn't happened yet. Right. Like, last night was Atlanta's opportunity to put it away. You
1: start with a grand slam. You got to figure, hey, it's over. Wow, they did it. They're going to win in Atlanta. I I was thinking about this today. You know, sometimes you're like, well, if Houston's going to pull this off, they have to win three games in a row. If you get to a game seven, it's all bets are off. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the adrenaline and everything. What do you think is going to happen? Will we see? I think this would be our first... Elimination game like game seven or game five of the playoffs, if I recall correctly, I don't think there's been another one. Has uh, there? there
2: was the the Giants Dodgers? Oh, Giants Dodgers, yeah. that's right, that was one of them. Okay, um, do you think we go to a game seven or do you think? Well, well Atlanta- I'll say this that every game six has to have one team up three two, right? Yeah. So at least, like, the tension of like, oh, they're coming back is, to me it's kind of gone once you hit a game six, yeah, uh, unless it's of course it's like 2004 Red Sox Yankees or so, sure. but I mean, it you know, generally, yes, you know, game six equals three two, someone. Uh, I I think it's going to happen. It's game 7. I have this terrible feeling. That there's going to be a Game 7? Yeah, and yeah, it's not going to go Atlanta's way. Uh, that's just how I feel right now. And, uh, I mean, Max Fried, he's going Game 6. He can do really well. And the Astros are kind of running out of dependable starters uh, with Valdez going yesterday. Now it's, uh, I believe, Luis Garcia after Arquiti also pitched in Game 5. So... You guys all know what's going on, Nick. Like, what? Who cares? We don't care about this. Yeah,
1: (laughs) sure. I will say though, last thing. It is kind of crazy to see how impactful Lance McCullers had been for them. Because without them, they' starting pitching staff. Not that he influences how other pitchers
2: do, but he's just been a bedrock for them. Not to mention how Zach Greinke kind of fell off enough that they said, "No, we're not going to let you do the you know us as a pitcher." Yeah, right. Considerable innings. So as a hitter, he's been on fire. Unreal. Better than better than Mike Trout in the playoffs. A better better batting average of the playoffs on my trap. I think That's exactly the kind of stat we want. It's, it's true. It's true. Um,
1: all right. So, yeah, as promised, we're going to go through a lot of these players. Now, as you guys know, you've been listening to us for over 250 episodes. Nick and I are you're also amazing. hitting experts, uh, so you're going to get a lot of hard-hitting number one big boy top hitter analysis yeah. coming
2: into this. I mean, look, we had to do this, right? We really wanted to go over all the guys across all, you know, the possible 12-teamer draft picks, and we needed a 13th episode of the players that weren't drafted It just makes sense It's not going to be the same 276 players in your draft So we went to the staff That partaked, uh, partaked partook, mm-hmm. partook in this draft And said hey who were the other players that you were considering At the end we have this wonderful list it Does include some pitchers at the end of course um, But a lot of a lot of hitters That were in contention and we felt okay We should just have some sort of conversation about them just to get them in your heads and have that, you know, have that talk, so you're properly prepared for your drafts. Yes, and we're gonna break this
1: down by position. So we're actually gonna go ahead and start. With, we're gonna go around. We're not gonna start with catcher,
2: right? We said yeah, that's, that's just no fun. It's like what everyone does, and, it's, and everyone one gets excited about catcher. There's only really one of them that wasn't drafted. So, whatever. Yeah,
1: until you're getting into, like, the deep platoon split, two right. catcher leagues, blah, 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 blah. Um, the first, so, we are going to start with first base. The first person that we're going to start with is someone who really kind of blew a lot of people away. He, I, I think he finished, uh, yeah, he was the highest rookie by WRC Plus this year, and by a considerable margin, okay? Randy Rosarino was second and 128. Frank Schwindel. Unreal was first at 152. He amassed a 2.1 war, which was seventh best among rookies. He, of course, ended the year with that 326 batting average, 371 OBP, 591 uh, slugging in that slash with 14 home runs, yet not any love thrown his way. What do you think about Frank Schwindel?
2: Yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere, right? And I think uh, John Metzeler will call it the Joe Schmo effect, mm. where you have someone that has a name like Frank Schwindel. You don't think he's going to be an all-star. It's just kind of how these things go. Uh, but right, 326 batting average uh, for, for Schwindel, uh, only 11% swing strike rate, 41% ground ball rate, 39% fly ball rate. So it's not, it's not like he's an extreme ground baller. Uh, I, I don't really think that any of us really expect him to push over 300 batting average again next year. And that's really the issue. 265 expected batting average for Schwindel. Uh, slugging percentage was 591. Expected was 434. And obviously the, that stuff isn't predictive. But it does kind of showcase there was some luck in the way of, of Schwindel making this work. And I think all of us kind of imagine Schwindel being okay in your 12-teamers. But not necessarily the same guy that's going to be able to put up 14 home runs in just 64 games next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, so what? You're are, are you... Why didn't you take him? Well, aside from the fact that you
2: had 14 other first basemen, <laughs> but would you would you have taken him if given the opportunity? No, I, 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 to me it's it requires requires too much work to, to draft Frank Schwindel because then I need to constantly be monitoring it, seeing how he's doing, how he's performing, and uh, then feel good one way or another about dropping him or holding him, and which which is a normal thing. That's actually what you should be doing. For me, my strategy personally, it's cause I care more about hitters and, and picking them up. I don't wanna have those thoughts often in season. I did pick up Schwindel for my team in July and it worked mm-hmm. just because of sheer luck that I got that. But it's not uh, it's he's not the kind of guy that I really wanna depend on or have as a bench spot on my team.
1: Yeah, I think he might be a viable option if you are not going to dig into the deep, deep well that is first base, right? I I think he kind of begins that, like, uh, a new tier that's like, well, I'm just kind of hoping for the best. I think there are some encouraging metrics about him, which is that he... It's not like he was all fastballs. It's not like he just feasted on fastballs. He was actually also able to take advantage of breaking pitches as Mm -hmm. well. He had a near 400 Woban breaking pitches. He faced over 300 of them. So there is somewhat of a good enough sample size there. Uh, But yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a risk when it's coming to Schwindel. I guess the last thing, too, is... That Cubs
2: lineup is not going to be great next year, but he is going to be high in that order. That I'm happy you brought that up because that's something, certainly when it comes to February and March, that I focus on a ton, especially in the deeper leagues we play in, is I just care about where you are in the lineup. I, it, it's less about ability if you're getting the opportunity. like We can talk for ages about what your ability is, but hey, who knows if you have the opportunity what will come from it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of times that breakouts happen when we just have no idea, and it just happens. Well, at least this guy has a chance to do so at the number two slot currently for the Cubs. So, Frank Schwindel, that could work. I mean, in deeper leagues, there's no way he's going undrafted, not even a chance. In a 12-teamer, you can afford that because, yeah, you can probably find another first base, it's pretty deep. You can probably find another uh, guy to slot into your util spot.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah. yeah, man, hitting ahead of Contreras and Hap means good. Not so bad. Not so bad. Yeah. Not so bad on a weaker offense. Let's move on to another guy who was not drafted, uh, and that is uh, Nate Low. I always have to think for a second if it's, it's Low or Low. Yeah, yeah and which one's which one? But I believe it's Low. The weird one is on the Rays. The weird one. Yeah, Low is on the Rays. Yeah. Uh, thank God they they at <laughs> least moved away from them. Uh, Nate obviously out in Texas didn't have the year that a lot of people wanted him to have. Are you staying away from
2: him? Uh, well, this would be a post-type guy, of course. Uh, I remember Nate Lowe being one of the higher-touted uh, hitting prospects a couple of years ago, as like the guy you stash in 2018 or 2019. Uh, I believe 2019. It just didn't really happen then, and 18 home runs and 157 games. There's still time, though. Prospect growth is not linear. He's someone at least to keep an eye on to see, hey, if it's a really hot spring, if there's talks of mechanical changes or... You know, that opportunity coming there, you have the new hitting coach, I believe, with the Rangers that we just found out about today or yesterday. Uh, there, there could be some hope here. This is someone to keep an eye on, but yeah, I don't feel like I want to chase it out of the draft. This is someone that, remember Nate Lowe and see how he does the first week or two.
1: This next one's one of the kind of the bigger shockers to me, and that's Yuli Gurriel, uh not getting drafted at all in any of these drafts. I... Don't know if I can imagine a time where the guy who won the AL batting crown went completely undrafted the next year, even if the, you know, he's obviously not going to provide you much in stolen bases, but he's going to be pretty darn good in runs and ribbies hitting in that Astros lineup, even if it is a little bit low. He's not going to provide you with more than probably at max 20, 25 home runs at the very max. He had one career year at 31 in 2019, just 15 this year. But this is a guy who clearly has 300 potentially hit 319 this year. Obviously, the off year last year hitting 232, but every other year he's been 290 at the least, ninety eight, 291, 299. It's rare to find average, super, super late in drafts. And if you're going to go for a bunch of power guys and and, and Joey Gallo are just going to completely destroy your batting average Yuli Gurriel could be a really nice pairing for you but he just falls off the draft
2: board yeah, yeah. again deeper leagues are going to go after Gurriel a ton right uh, we we're talking about it in Arizona where Gurriel was just one of the best values you could get later on in your drafts and you know and this it, it could fit teams absolutely um, but I don't think anyone is really expecting anything close to the 31 home runs in 2019. Guriel only hit 15, 143 games this past year. And that seems, yeah, okay. It's not He's not really going to help you too much in that department. Runs an RBI could be there because it's the Astros still. So you're going to lose Correa, but I don't really think that, that offense is all of a sudden a bad offense in any way. And he might actually benefit in the sense of going higher up now than the 7-8 spot that he has been in. So Yuli Gurriel, yeah, good average should help out. He should have been drafted in this one. Yeah, I agree. Let's go back to the Cubs. We're going to talk about uh, 30-year-old
1: first baseman, third baseman, uh, Patrick Wisdom, who I believe uh, edged out so, uh, Frank Schwindel in terms of war at 2.13. Finishes the year with a very respectable 115 WRC+. plus. He is one of those batting average sucks at 231 of the, the 305 OBP. Uh, uh, well, it's still not great, but it's better than that 231 batting average. 28 home runs, though. I mean, this is a guy who clearly has a lot of power inside of his
2: bat. Steamer projects him for 30 next year, yet he just doesn't get drafted. I mean, okay, it's 28 home runs in 375 plate appearances. That's absurd. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a 41% strikeout rate and a 31% homer fly ball rate. And we don't really believe that that's going to stick around. Um, it's a heavy pull percentage, 57%. He's really selling out for this. Nearly a 50% flat ball rate uh, for Patrick Wisdom, a 19% swinging strike rate. And I will say, power is actually kind of easy to find this mm-hmm. past year. You have someone like Adam Duval going later in the draft, too. Uh, and I, I think for a lot of people, Wisdom is – they think they have the wisdom to not take him and go and fall for this trap. I was wondering um, when and how that was going to be worked in. I mean, l- in. L- let's just think about this. Like, you, you draft Patrick Wisdom, and yeah, he could be hitting fourth for the Cubs. Uh, this could be either the fastest drop you make or, you know, you could hold too long is what I'm getting at. So, in April, like, I don't expect him to have an amazing average. And I think at some point there are going to be some massive valleys or for Patrick Wisdom, you're kind of hoping if you draft him that it doesn't happen in April that he comes out hot because essentially what's going to happen is you're going to dra- draft him. Maybe if you do start him a couple times, he's just going to do nothing, go 0 for 4 with three strikeouts or whatever. And you're like, okay, why, yeah, why did I do this? Why did I chase this one? Because I don't I don't know. I don't think there's enough of a ceiling to really go after it. Maybe you have him there for like an occasional home run or so. But to me, yeah, when it comes to hitters, there's so many interesting ones through the year that you'll be able to snag and feel more confident in and wisdom shouldn't be starting on your team and I don't really think he'll get to a point that he demands it
1: speaking of guys who uh, you can wait on and get power for and who is also a batting average suck here we are with Miguel Sano who hits 223 this year in just 135 games but has 30 home runs uh, which is pretty insane. I believe he said, if I recall correctly, that he wanted to try and um, get in shape this off season. Oh, that's uh, I, nice. think, I think I, if I that's recall a smart correctly, smart thing to do. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what he wanted to do. Um, what, so like a like a I don't know a triangle. Yeah, that's the shape that he wanted to get. Am I crazy? Wasn't he the guy who said that he wanted to? I mean, either way. It, it wouldn't be like everyone. <laughs> no, but like someone specifically was like, it, it's this time it? for me. Yeah. And maybe, okay. maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it wasn't him. But either way, this is another guy that if you theoretically uh, needed some power at the end of your draft he, and you had built upon um, average, I mean, meanwhile, these guys... Fit well together, Sano or Wisdom and Yuli Gurriel, right? Royale, right? Yeah.
2: Those are the two guys that you could theoretically. Well, I would say, up. yeah, I would say Sano uh, to me is a little bit more dependable with that power because we were just talking about with Wisdom was it's a thirty-one percent homer fly ball rate, and we don't really know if that's like that's going to stick necessarily. Mm. Uh, with Sano, okay, yes, this is high, Mister Power. Su- with the, the batting average, suck. That's just kind of what he does. Uh, we know this. We feel a little bit more dependable about that. You could say, oh, Wisdom's going to be fourth, maybe in that lineup. There's a little bit more to chase with that. Sure. I I would say if you're really going for something, sure, I guess Sano maybe puts up a 250, hints at that like he did in 2019, but yeah, these guys are just not for me, really. Um, it's just not really the kind of guy I want to go and chase because I know that the ceiling is capped with that average, and it might be some really tough stretches mm. um, where he goes out of his way to actually hurt your team. I want to get into what is the youngest of the bunch, I
1: believe. Yeah, Nathaniel Lowe is 26. Lewin Diaz, first baseman for the Marlins, is 24. Frank Swindle's like, 29, Patrick Wisdom same like it's funny because these guys have actually been around for a long time despite their kind of rookie status uh, another like this one doesn't really kind of shock me too much obviously there's there's been some pedigree there but it's mostly power and fielding right he has a 45 grade hit tool uh, 45 speed but then a, a 70 potential in the fielding department Lewin Diaz ends the year just 40 games played with a little bit over 125 plate appearances but slashes 205 242 Four fifty one. I don't know. Is there really any even an NL only that you are kind of entertaining? Luis Diaz is your first base
2: option. Well, I an extreme fly baller mm-hmm. gives opportunity for home runs in that stadium. Well, I am look fifty four percent fly ball rate. Sorry, yeah, fly ball rate. I got this. I can do this. Seventeen percent homer fly ball rate, which actually means eight home runs in forty games, which actually does really well. If that multiply that by four, that's thirty home runs in one hundred sixty games or so. Right. Uh, so there is something there of that he's always been this way in the minors uh, 20 home runs in 74 games in triple a this past year for lewin diaz so that that's what you're chasing the guy's only 24 years old actually he will be 25 next year maybe there is something there i can understand going after this instead of the others because we don't really know what to expect exactly and there could be more potential growth just because of the unknown the mystery box involved here look we're talking hitters. I'm mm-hmm. doing my best here, Fat. Yeah, I hear you. No, I, I, Yeah, I know. And I'm sure there's plenty that we can dig deep into. No, I'm messing around. But I guess if I
1: was going to take a risk, I'd rather go for the guy who's got some better lineups around him. You yeah, that, I
2: mean? that's that's a really good point. And, will actually, I, I think over time, you know, we're going to get rid of the idea that the Marlins have the worst lineup. Right? I mean, there are some exciting players on the team. Jazz Chisholm. There's Jesus Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Uh, and friends, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, keep going. <laughs> I mean, you got to think over time that either more you know, some of these prospects hit, and they also acquire some guys. This will develop over time. It's not just a given that oh, the lineup's going to be absolutely trash for Miami. Likely, probably, yes, but hey, there's a chance it's not. Yeah, I also don't know if he. Even makes the opening day rostered. Yeah, that's to, a
1: very good you know. point too. Uh, I have no idea. I'll be I'll be curious if he does. I think they have a good some some people there with uh, Jesus Aguilar and Garrett Cooper who comes in every once in a while and mm. they can kind of move around by the end of the year. Like Jorge Alfaro was their left fielder for a while, which was crazy. DH could be coming. DH could very well be coming as well, which I think it probably will. With Aguilar, I would imagine. Yeah, would be, that would be the DH there for certain. But then Garrett Cooper, it's like he always shines when he gets the opportunity, but he's also made a glass and bones. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's move on to the last guy that we're to talk about at first base, and that's a AAA prospect in the Boston farm system. He's got a 55 grade, according to fan graphs, and that's Tristan Casas this past year in 2021 slugged two, uh, Excuse me, slashed 242, 381, 485 with uh, just one home run and one stolen base, but that's over 42 plate appearances. He got the bulk of his work done in Double where... Where he played 320 got 320 and I played appearances slashing 284 395 484 so what maybe taking a little bit of a risk here on
2: Casas I imagine they like his plate discipline which is a uh, 15% walk rate in those 77 double games this past year with just a 19% strikeout rate uh, it seems like a decent hit tool with a lot of raw power uh, so yeah who knows who knows what happens with the CBA who gets pushed up quicker maybe Casas does And no, I will not make that joke. That is so obvious to do. I'm not doing that. Come on. What what is this restraint? I'm just, I'm doing it for you. For me? Yes. Don't do it for me. (laughs) I don't know where this restraint
1: is coming from. Um, Let's move on to second base. The first one that we're going to hit is Kike Hernandez, who over 134 games with Boston this year. Got you those 20 home runs, Uh, not necessarily a guy that people were probably drafting uh, outright, uh, but was okay there, didn't really kill you in average either, had a sub-20% K rate, which might as well be, you know, award-worthy right now in this day and age, but yeah, goes undrafted in these leagues, just a lot of, I don't think it's really a position with a lot of depth, so... There's just other opportunities there or what? Yeah,
2: I actually think that Enrique Hernandez might find himself on many teams, uh, especially if you miss out on a second base. Well, you know, We're going to see a lot of guys here that are second base in other positions as well. Um, as you know, it's like uh, a couple others we just mentioned have other eligibility too. Um, but with, uh, with Enrique, I mean, he's going to get a ton of runs. They're still with the Red Sox, especially if he finds his way uh, near the top of the lineup again. Uh, definitely someone to consider as a fill-in if something goes wrong. Uh, in February and March and at the end of a draft, to go oh no man that second baseman I got is uh, a little shaky Um. alright I guess I can I can live with Enrique for a little bit okay Gene Segura is the next guy on the list this is a guy who theoretically has
1: 10-10 potential which isn't of course you know fantastic, but it's not bad, right? You should be able to theorize he had nine stolen bases this year. He had 10 in 2019. Obviously, he's not going to be a 15-20 stolen base guy anymore because he's on the other side of 31, but
2: not going to hurt you in average unless you think there's some regression there. Do you think there is? Well, when you start a guy who only gives you 10-10, um, your wins total is zero, and this has been 10-10 wins news, and that is <laughs> for everybody in the New York City area that knows what that joke is, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just not enough. It's not enough for me in a, in a twelve teamer, uh, fourteen home runs, nice stolen bases, hundred thirty-one games, two ninety average. Sure, it, it, this is something you really don't want to have to do in your twelve teamer. I'm much rather take some chances on some guys. I remember talking about Jake Cronenworth; he didn't have the playing time. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I still would take a chance over that and make those decisions uh, in the first or two weeks or so of April. Then draft Gene Sigur and feel good about it. Take a chance with a starter instead. I, I, you have to think there's something else to chase. What do you mean take a chance this Well, start? I mean, like, if you're drafting Gene Segura, it's gonna be like the last round. So I oh, yeah. think you have a starter ahead of you. Already. Got
1: you. yeah. Okay. Uh, this, I, I feel Gene Segura I have a nice little bond with because I got dunked on a little bit when I drafted him, and I think he helped, helped me win a tout championship because Wait, of that be. Did OBB. you win tout this year fast? I did indeed. What? Um, which, uh, which is actually the second time I've even ever said that out loud. I am not as into Luis Arise. I fully understand why he is a guy who could just theoretically stay on there. I think he's only worthwhile in the most niche of leagues or maybe in a, you know, he's a guy that you're like, okay, I'm 12 weeks into my Roto and I'm really hurting an average. Who am I going to pick up to kind of help me out there? Uh, And he's going to do that for you. He's a guy who's just going to be able to put the ball in play and make contact
2: and hover around 300 like he's always done. But man, that's really all he's going to be able to give. Right. uh, You'll hear him a lot in this, okay, balance of your team. But honestly, if you're in a situation where you have to have rise in his 300 average and you don't get stolen bases, you don't get home runs, 121 games this year, two home runs, 58 runs, 42 RBI, and two stolen bases, that's really going to hurt mm-hmm. for any length amount of time that he's in there. I, I, just, I don't see a situation that that is your optimal play. Uh, you should be chasing, chasing, chasing as much as you can for bigger and better things in 12-teamers. I agree there. This next guy I want to get to because
1: I think he's going to be a topic of a lot of conversation uh, this offseason. And for good reason, there was a noticeable fall off in his 2020 uh, in his 2021 production. And that is Jeff McNeil. So after three years of hitting over 300, some. Large sample sizes, some small sample sizes, but every year over 300. He comes in with a 249 average, seven home runs, three stolen bases. The strikeout rate, technically a career high, but it's 13.6%. So that's like that's better than some guys' career lows right. uh, in, in today's game. But the 276 Babbitt obviously is something that sticks out for him. Are you anticipating a bounce back for Jeff McNeil or is this
2: kind of the real Jeff McNeil that we're dealing with moving forward? First of all, I thought you said. 20 tommy and i thought that's a wonderful thing uh but uh jeff mcneil i mean was at the end of the batting order this past year i think that could be flipped because he was playing injured a lot this year and it does seem that the 23 home runs and 318 average of 2019 isn't just some far cry and some complete outlier a healthy jeff mcneil getting back in rhythm could be a lot better than the seven home runs and 120 games we saw this past year i'm not going to rule it out Everyone's going to say, oh, no, he expected this. You know, the average was 246. I was expected batting average of 252. Just like I say with pitchers, just because you were bad and deserved to be bad does not mean you have to be bad moving forward. Uh, this is actually a fun flyer to me of, hey, you want to see someone that comes out of the gate, like could actually come out of the gate and do really well, and all of a sudden you think, oh, yeah, Jeff McNeil is really good. I mean, he this was a top 12 rounder entering this year, I yeah. believe, and uh, I don't think that that ability is completely gone.
1: Yeah, Dodo, I, I think um yeah, last year too a lot of the position eligibility really, you know, boosted him up because he could play literally anywhere in the infield right. and in the outfield. And I mean he ended the year hitting ninth. Before that he was hitting kind of all over the place. He was leading off a lot. He yeah. was you know, he was all over the place in that Mets lineup. But right. I, I also think that like we have to kind of say that this is injury. This is just an injury year. Exactly. I mean, it, it, he just doesn't, and it's crazy too, because he even still hit 250, which is not
2: terrible right. uh, in, in today's day and age. Not- but I mean, if he's not going to produce there, then he's kind of worthless. You know, there are a lot of guys right here uh, at this point in the draft, which is like the last couple of rounds or after it, that are going to change in February and March for me, depending on where they are in their lineups. Right, Understand, like, okay, Jeff McNeil, where has he been batting in spring and what is expected from him entering the season? If it's at ninth, eighth, yeah, I'm out. I'm not doing this. But if he's in the top four somehow, then I think that's the Mets saying, look, we actually see good things from McNeil now we're back in. Mm -hmm. They're back in and they're putting him in that opportunity. You should be too.
1: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, too, like, the the swinging strike rate was down for him, right? right? It was still below 9%. Okay. Uh, it's just that the balls weren't landing properly. I mean, he's still in the 94th percentile in K rate, 87th percentile in whiff rate. I still think he's going to wait to play his way into the field because he's an above average defender, 88th percentile and outs above average. Uh, so I think there is still going to be some spots for him. I'm a little more interested in him than some of the other guys that we have discussed, including Hassan Kim. I just don't, I was on the, you know, not a big fan of Ha Sung Kim when he was acquired. I think he was awesome in the KBO and I love to see uh, guys come over from the KBO and have success, but one of the big scouting reports I heard from people in the KBO were like, I think people are wrong on him. I just don't think he's going to be able to catch up to Major League Velocity and that's a big thing that we see. There's a lot of kind of wonky batting mechanics that we see come over from the KBO. It is a uh, I say this in a good way, a kind of different brand of baseball. I think it's great to watch it gets a lot of fun to watch. There's no secrets about that but this is a guy who, I mean look at this two years, the past two years in the KBO batting averages over 300 he had 30 home runs in 2020 and then he comes over here and at 117 games, about 300 plate appearances he hits 202 I just don't think this is a guy who is really going to be able to turn around and find it at the major league level.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and I think that's why he wasn't drafted. Someone definitely to consider in the deeper leagues that you need to fill in your uh, your spots in the lineup. Uh, he does have triple eligibility in the infield, everything but first base. But then again, are the Padres going to actually give him any opportunities? If there's an injury, if there is something, which who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, Especially with Tatis not getting surgery. There could be openings for, for Kim to get opportunities, and hey, yeah, it was a bad first season. I I, I still have to think that there's some talent in there um, that can come out as he could personally develop as well. He's going to be 26 next year. It's not like he's some old guy now that he can't get better with age too. So definitely a considerable post-hype uh, player in Kim, but yeah, he's not someone that I want to draft. I just want to watch and see how it's f- unfolding.
1: I wonder what, what he signed a four-year Twenty-eight million dollar deal, nicely done. That's wild to me. That's a big risk on a guy. What is that? That's like, never seen. That's, well, that's under one war a year, right? Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, because one war is what eight, nine, yeah, eight million? nine million. Yeah, okay. Still,
2: I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I just don't know that. That would scare me a that, little. bit. That's what it is. Though. It's a positional flexibility for them. He's their super utility right now. And there, look, I'm not going to rule it out. There's this chance that the Kim goes off, you know, and does those great things all of a sudden with uh, consistent playing time, right? Yeah. You know, 117 games, with only 300 plate appearances because he was just often subbed in or so, and not actually just you have a job, go and do it, right? Man, what is that? Uh, yeah, I, I, am I'm, I'm out <laughs> personally,
1: but it's, it's just kind of crazy. And <laughs> to 2020, but actually, it's not. I was saying that Hassan Kim was a little bit crazy when, when he was coming over. Wow. Okay, uh, let's not talk about his mental, you know. Oh, stop. Um, all right, let's look next uh, at Brendan Rogers. This one is a little bit crazy to me that no one wanted to take a flyer on a young guy who's probably going to be able to get a little bit more uh, uh, opportunities. I mean, he had over five, 400 plate appearances this year, 284 with 15 home runs. Steamer projects him for 20 home runs with a 280 average. That's that's a little crazy to not take uh, in, in a draft, considering we're just talking about, oh, uh, maybe Patrick Wisdom, maybe Miguel Ceno, but they're going to be batting
2: average sucks. This is 20, 280 with 20 home runs, not bad. Yeah, I think Brendan Rodgers to me is the ultimate backup of like second base or shortstop. If you find yourselves out on one of them, and likely that would be second base, less so shortstop, because there's so many. There are so many shortstops to go after this year. Um, Brendan Rodgers is going to be playing a lot for the Rockies. Trevor Story is likely out. I, I imagine once, once Story is officially gone, and signs somewhere else. Then it's then there'll be a lot of talk about Rogers and where is he slot in that lineup. And there aren't really many you know, demanding players left. There's CJ Crone, there's Blackman, and um, yeah. So <laughs> so you have Rogers and that you know McMahon, I guess. Okay, so this could work out pretty well. 15 home runs over 415 play appearances, plays in Coors 284 average. That's gonna you know Coors is a thing. He's gonna <laughs> get a good amount of runs. There's in one RBI. thing you get from this podcast. <laughs> Cores is a thing. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I think he can also get better over time. So Rodgers, for me, is a really fun one. That's that's the difference between the other ones we've talked about. We don't really know what Rodgers can do across a full season with consistent playing time. Uh, He looked promising in his time this year, and hopefully he can take another step forward next year. Jorge Mateo is the next guy I wanted to talk about. Obviously,
1: you know, DFA'd, I believe, by the Padres, ended up getting some appearances. Where did he play? Oh, in Baltimore. <laughs> uh, he is probably going to make the team next year because they want to save as much money as possible, and he would be first-year arbitration eligible where he's probably not going to command a lot of money. Uh, the only reason we're really talking about Jorge Mateo is
2: potentially a late, Stolen base option, right? Yeah, 10 stolen bases last year. The Orioles we've seen have allowed guys to steal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, yeah, whatever. We're the, we're the Orioles, Cedric Mullins just still 30. We've seen VR take advantage of this, maybe Mateo does too. And who else are the, the Orioles gonna really play? So, I, I, Mateo could be decent this way. The problem is actually your Orioles offense is getting better, yeah. And that means that Mateo's opportunities will be lower, or fewer, I should say. Sure. uh, Because he's not going to be near the top, he's going to be near the bottom. If you really are that desperate for stolen bases, by all means, I wouldn't want to chase this. I just don't think that Mateo brings enough to the table. It'll probably be like 15 stolen bases or so over the year. But man, to get those 15, you have to put yourself through a lot of thorns. And that's not fun for me. Let's move on to the one uh, shortstop that we're going to talk Well, that, I mean, Jorge Mateo is, was a shortstop. And Rosario even has outfield, too. So there's no actual pure shortstops here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, there really isn't. I was trying no. to justify, too. We, uh, and also, Rodgers and Cam, they've all had Yeah, there's a lot of multiple eligibility here. Who yeah. made these notes? I did. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Um, Amand Rosario, first season in Cleveland, slashes very respectable 282, 321, 409 with that 99 WRC. At the beginning of the year, a lot of the conversation, at least for me, is what is this man doing in the outfield? <laughs> We're like, what, what is happening here? Why is this? Why are they giving him hey, so many opportunities? Uh, he does end the year with 11 home runs and 13 stolen bases. So that's really kind of what you're going to be expecting at the end of the year. Another 10 10 guy who's not going to hurt you in average, not theoretically the worst backup to have on your team is there another level is the real question here is there a 15-15 a, another 15-15 I should say there was twenty 2019 is there a 2020 season that's ostensible for Ahmed Rosario well what do the, you think?
2: the good news is that Ahmed Rosario is going to be near the top of that lineup mm. and that's cool I mean, uh, that's a very good thing uh, for the uh, for Cleveland. Uh, Jose Ramirez is still there, but who knows? You know, it's a club option for for next year and the year after. I mean, he could be dealt. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But having Jose Ramirez and Fremel Reyes behind him, that will help too. Uh, so I like this more than Gene Segura. But again, I don't want to have to resort to Ahmed Rosari. I'm going to be planning around... You know the shortstops and second basements that I know have certain targets for that reach if I need to, just because down here you don't want to be chasing this. Uh, let's we can move into third base. We're going to talk about Kyle
1: Seager, who I believe has a club option, um, but who they they, yeah, they declined it. Yeah, they, it's already been declined, right? Because yes. twenty million dollars for a thirty. 30- then 34 year old Kyle Seeger although man did he try and work for it this is a guy who's coming off really uh, just a career year I mean a career high 35 home runs career high 101ribbies yeah why not I'll throw in three stolen bases too I can still move the legs can't pull in the uh, Albert pool holes there which I love to see although he did have a career low in terms of average at 212. is this something where you're gonna wait and see where he ends up or is this kind of of in the uh, Miguel Sano category where it's like, all right, if I really need home runs late, I'll go for Kyle
2: Seager. What are you thinking here? It's kind of funny. I- ha! Uh, Seager was on multiple teams of mine this year, through the year. Mm. I found myself like, oh, okay, I need something for this week or to cover third base or utility for a moment, and yeah, he had 101 RBI with 35 home runs. Like That, that helped. Sure, it was a two twelve average, but if you sporadically do that, you can get those kinds of massive stats over that time, and it's not as detrimental for you. Uh, But you're right. It completely depends on opportunity. Uh, Where does he sign? And then where does he slot into that lineup? And is that something you do want to chase? Do we expect him to have another career year? No, we do not. The 35 home runs were the highest he's ever had by a good amount. It's only second time he's ever hit 30. Uh, 100 RBI. Again, product of the Mariners getting super hot and having their lineup work out. And he just happened to be right in the middle of it. Uh, So we'll see what happens with Kyle Seager. But yeah, they're just better options. Over, under 25 home runs for Seager next year. I mean, that's about right. That's pretty much what he's always done. But again, it's about opportunity. You know, Where does he sign? Uh, if it's consistent playing time or not. Because I could see Seager just being a lefty bat for someone. Mm. So we'll see what happens there. Career high barrel rate on fastballs and off-speed pitches. Hey, which I thought done.
1: was very interesting. I mean, it's that's a long and storied career. So it seemed like there were some considerable changes there but yeah i just don't expect that batting average to go over like 240
2: next year and if it does it's going to come at the expense of of those home runs yeah keep in mind that it was a 24 strikeout rate which is the highest of his career by far only one other season above 20 uh 226 babbitt as well was his career low uh as he had second most fly ball rates so i mean there there's a give and take he's he's Leaning into the the home runs more, had the highest swing strike rate by far. We're talking to fourteen percent. He never had double digits. Mm. So Kyle Seeger really went out for the power. And I think it worked. We were happy he did. But it's you know, there's a balance to it and maybe he could be tipping on the other side now. The next
1: guy I want to talk about is Heimer Candelario. Now, this is a little bit interesting because he's not going to hurt you in average. He could theoretically get you between 15 and 20 home runs. It's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Um, average, as I said, isn't really going to kill you, but on a, on a pretty weak Detroit team in terms of offense, where he would ostensibly be hitting fourth. He did get a good amount of time sitting cleanup. up. So... Is are there better options here, or what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I this mean, is not
2: what I want to go for. Um, it doesn't do enough. Uh, the Tigers are getting better. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, but Candelario, is, I mean, if you really are that desperate for some kind of runs in RBI production without a terrible average, that could be Candelario. But it's just not something I want to chase in a twelve-teamer. You hear me say that a lot. You already mm. have, but I mean, that's just what it is now. It's just okay. It's your last-round picks. Like these are ones that shouldn't be filling in a position in your twelve-teamer. And if they don't carry some substantial upside, there's just no reason to go after it. I also kind of feel that way about
1: this next guy in
2: Nolan Gorman. Uh, (laughs) Nolan
1: Gorman. Uh, Outside in in, in St. Louis, he's a 21-year-old high prospect for them i mean he's got a you know he should have some pop in that bat. i mean he showcased it a little bit 14 home runs over 328 plate appearances not bad in terms of average i just don't think we're gonna see much of him uh there's plenty of people who can play the infield effectively for the cardinals next year i think there's kind of a long line of people ahead of him for opportunities and he's also 21 years old so i just don't know if he's going to be making much of an impact dh
2: maybe We'll see. You know, Maybe. You can put Carlson and, and O'Neal in the outfield, and then you can do Goldschmidt at first, uh, Nolan Arenado at third, Edmund at second, Young at short, and then you have Gorman in there. I don't know. I, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he has a lot of raw power. That's the main thing. If he does get opportunities, which, again, things can open up in weird ways, as they yeah. often do, he's someone that uh, our prospect guys were like, yeah, this is uh, he's just someone that can make an impact. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um in
1: deep maybe in dynasties it's like all right yeah, no, oh, yeah. 12 stick.
2: teamers you shouldn't i mean depends on what happens in, in february march Monitor it. There you go. The wonderful two words. So mon- yeah, use exactly. To on podcasts. Yeah, monitor it. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> you
1: go just ahead just monitor, monitor it. <laughs> right? Just keep track of it. You, you guys can do it. Um, finally, we can get back to talking about an Oriole, which is what I really want to do. Uh, and that's Anthony Santander. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I'm obviously a little bit biased, but I do like Anthony Santander. He made a lot of defensive strides coming into the 2021 season. He had those defensive strides in the 2020 season, something that was Wonderful just steps, you know
2: those long strides. Yeah, that's what defense. he really wanted to do. It was
1: like they were like take bigger steps. And He was <laughs> like, oh my god, my absolutely no idea. I I firmly so he's had twenty home runs once um, in in twenty nineteen. He's been with Baltimore since twenty seventeen, which is kind of crazy. I do think that there is more power in that bat. He just hasn't been able to string together a full healthy season. And I think I would be curious to see if he is maybe getting some DH at bats next year. There is a little bit of a log jam with the O's when it comes to the outfield, as we saw with them, with guys like DJ Stewart playing in the outfield a bunch. Obviously, they're still trying to figure out what to do with Ryan Mountcastle, although he should be at first base moving forward. Austin Hayes in left, Cedric Mullins in center field plenty of options um, for the outfield there. What are, what are you laughing about over there?
2: I mean, I, no, I don't want to interrupt your flow. You're talking about your boys. I don't want to say anything. Uh, I I'm thinking of Santander's strides being like the fremen as they walk across the, the the sand. Did you see it? Oh my god, it was amazing. I thought it was great. Oh my, oh big fan, Un- Unbelievable. I mean, I read it as a kid too. I I'm yet to about read Dune, it. By the yeah, way, yeah, we're talking about Dune. I'm yet to
1: read it. I thought it was one of the most. I've seen a lot of movies. I thought it was one of the most immersive sci-fi films I've ever seen. So great. The
2: New Yorker said it was too sparse, and oh, I couldn't god. believe that. <sighs> Too sparse? I thought it was like I thought it was beautiful Yeah I mean I, I, that That's the criticism I've heard Of, of it being kind of A, a wonderful shell Without much inside? I don't know. That's insane uh, yeah, to me. Exactly I thought it was beautiful thing. and haunting. Oh. Uh, just like no. Anthony Santander, beautiful and haunting. <laughs> no.
1: to Sorry. Bring it back I to mean, he, I'm sure he's wonderful. I said beautiful and haunting. What's wrong with beautiful and haunting? Haunting can
2: be a good uh, He go, will go haunt your team if you do draft him.
1: No, I don't think so. I do think that there could be a year in which he just decides to hit 30 home runs.
2: Right, yeah, but, but he, he can hit, just keep healthy. He, yeah, well, right. 110 games last year, year for Santander was the highest he's ever had. Yeah. Um, average is not going to be a good thing. There is power, of course, but also like the, like, the uh, like other guys, the Orioles are getting better. I don't know if Santander's lineup spot is going to be all that great. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to... It's like I said. I mean, Trey Mancini probably solidifies himself at, at
1: DH, right? Although he should be going back and forth with Ryan Mountcastle, but they switch back and forth between first base and DH. Sure. Which means that Santander is taking time from... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I imagine he still stays in right field. I think he has a higher ceiling than DJ Stewart
2: does, but I... It's a risk. There's it's a risk. coming up. There's uh, Hayes. There's Mullins in there. So I mean, I'm just thinking about how that lineup plays out. If uh, yeah. Santander doesn't get the favorable spots, you could say that RBI totals could be solid though, uh, because you'd be underneath those guys, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, we don't. There's not a lot of first uh, outfield depth because, like, we're still I've got to write a play called like waiting on use Neil Diaz, who's just like, oh, I, don't I would, know I what would totally,
2: I would absolutely watch it, you and just sit in a blank theater for an hour. I and mean, half. I could use a good
1: nap. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Um, all right. Let's move on to uh, Andrew McCutcheon, who's the next outfielder that we want to discuss. Uh, what are your general thoughts about Andrew McCutcheon? I mean, we're getting into a position which is quite, quite deep, right? Quite, quite deep. And Andrew McCutcheon <laughs> really started to show the age a little bit with the season. Yeah, fine. Six stolen bases and 27 home runs, but 222 average. I mean, it seems like if I'm going to go
2: sell out for power with low average, I'd rather do it with a younger guy than McCutcheon. Right. right? So, I mean, again, this is. At the end of your draft, you have to wonder two things. One, are are you trying to find someone that's actually going to be starting out of the gate for you, or are you trying to find uh, someone to stash in your bench, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for someone to actually play early on, you know, maybe maybe you do want to consider McCutcheon, but it depends on where he is, right? Is it a club option? I believe they said no. Yeah, I think it's, it's to to McCutcheon. So if he does sign somewhere and is in a favorable lineup, McCutcheon is someone in the past that has done really well early on and we go oh yeah right why did we just sleep on this you know I remember McCutcheon hitting at the top of the Phillies lineup and was doing well and producing the first couple weeks like oh yeah right that's a thing and like we should have been aware of that Uh, I mean yeah 27 home runs and he had 80 runs this year in 144 games that helps that's a good thing but if you're looking for someone oh no I want to chase something and maybe this will become my starting outfield and replace that guy I drafted in the 14th round no do not know don't don't get McCutcheon for that it should be someone else that shows up in the middle of April and you know or May or whatever. It won't be McCutcheon. It could. I mean,
1: I would sooner have Lane Thomas, I guess. There's, All right. There. Uh, I don't know if I would sooner have let me. Let me back I that would. up. I would sooner. It, he fits your point perfectly, right? A young guy with a little bit more upside, a little bit more promise, who could theoretically get you a good amount of – an okay amount of home runs, a good amount of stolen bases, and hover around a 240, 250 batting average at most, right? Um, so he's, and he's
2: also, you know, we don't have to worry about where he's playing. You I know, mean, he's going to be inside that Nationals. I think Nationals Lane Thomas can do better because, I mean, 7.5% swing strike rate this past year. You know, there's opportunity, I think, to for growth more with Lane Thomas. Uh, and it's, it's kind of exciting. I mean, the Nationals don't really have a lot of things to say, oh, yeah, this is what we, no, I'm sorry, Delane, we don't have any opportunities for you. Are you kidding? It's just Juan Soto and Josh Bell, I guess, and Lane Thomas could be hitting leadoff. And that's really good to be in that situation. It's an opportunity for Lane Thomas to go in and succeed. So I would much rather see how that plays out than trying to get some little value with uh, McCutcheon. I love the veritable bell curve that is the age of Lane Thomas,
1: Alcides Escobar, and Juan Soto. <laughs> like that one, two, three for the Nationals <laughs> next year. The alleged 1-2-3 just really kind of kind of cracks me up there. The next person I wanted to talk
2: about, we're, we're sticking with our outfielders here, another guy in cores in Charlie it's Blackman. It's unreal how far he's fallen now, right? I mean, we're talking four straight years of at least 29 home runs and essentially top three round talent. Uh, with, multi, with double digit stolen bases as well. And then all of a sudden, 13 home runs this past year and 150 games, 270 average. This is this is more of what I was saying before about McCutcheon, right? Like, if Blackman is at the end there instead of McCutcheon, you definitely go Blackman because, right, he's going to be at the top of that lineup. It's going to be in cores. Look, maybe they're in cores the first, like, twice uh, in the first three series or so. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can get something out of that with runs in RBI. And hopefully the average is better than 270. Even if it's 270, that might be okay. There is something to get there from Blackman. Uh, with the other guys, it's like I don't know as much. I feel like you you have a better floor for that early production if you need it. Yeah, it, it just it's tough to with his skill set to imagine
1: his his fastball production really kind of fell off, which scares me a little bit. This
2: is not a season for Blackman. This is like your this is the equivalent of me saying, Hey, what's the early schedule so I can stream the first week or so, mm. right? That that's that's what I'm talking about. Like Steven Matz, let's say, oh, he's going against the Miami Marlins the first week. Okay, I guess I'll draft him at the end of my draft, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Um I I think a lot about Mark
1: Canha. Huh? Do you? Uh oh, just because of the canhop. You know, I actually
2: and, I was talking and talking to him. He actually thinks a lot about you.
1: That's cute. Yeah. Uh I think he's a big foodie, if I recall correctly. I think he's got a big food Instagram. Either way, uh I always <laughs> think about the can I kick it. Yes, I can. Um, I was a big fan of his in 2019 because, hey, man, 26 home runs with a 273 average. And then it kind of fell off a little bit this year. He had a career high in games played, which was pretty impressive. Over 600 played appearances for the first time in his career. But he backs it up with just 17 home runs and a 231 average. I think this is a guy that I just kind of leave out there. He doesn't really have some of the upside of the guys that we've talked about before coming into his age 33 season. Also, a guy is just kind of crazy that he just plays... I mean, I know Ramon Laureano got hurt, but he played a lot in center, played a lot in left, about almost 100, no 80 games in, 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 uh, in excuse me, 23 games, about 100 plate appearances in center field this year, which is kind of crazy. I mean, why am I talking about plate appearances <laughs> in center field? But
2: you know what I mean. He started in center field a good amount. Uh, what are you thinking about Mark Canha? Well, there, there's some opportunity for a really good value pickup for some team in the majors. Uh, he's a free agent now and has a high walk rate, which means he has a 360 OBP. I mean, that's just last year. So it was nearly 400 in 2019 for Marcana. Mm. I think there will be a team that says, you know what? Yeah, we want Mark Hanna to to be our outfielder. Or uh, maybe, you know, he used to play some time at first base even. Um, 12 stolen bases kind of showed up too, which is, what? Yeah. I didn't know you can even do that. 17 home runs over 141 games, 93 runs because of that OBP. There is something to consider here with Ken. if he gets signed to a team that allows him to bat in the first four spots. So don't don't rule it out. And also kind of see where they're going to use him. Is it just going to be in the outfield? Okay, fine. But maybe he gets some infield position uh, and there could be some value here.
1: This next one kind of shocked me considering the names that were going in the ends of drafts like Grayson Rodriguez and other kind of viable prospects that he didn't get picked up and that's Julio Rodriguez who is now currently the top prospect of the Mariners system with Jared Kalanick getting called up just dominated double A in 2021 slashing 362 461 546 16 stolen bases which is great to see too he's probably in all likelihood going to get the call at some point in 2022 next year don't know necessarily where he's going to fit uh, in terms of in that lineup I mean I think when Kellanick came up I don't remember if the, I don't think they buried him at the bottom of no, the lineup. I think it was or, like the top three or something like that maybe even it was
2: like lead off I don't remember yeah I don't remember just do
1: digging into that but yeah so are you is that a guy that
2: you I mean I know you personally I don't think you're really into taking those risks on those those well honestly I mean if I feel if I'm at the end of my draft and it's like uh, if I don't feel that there's someone there that's like oh yeah that's the guy I want to uh, take a chance on then why not? Why not Julio Rodriguez and just stash him? Like mm. I, I find this often in uh, August or not August, April. There are moments where I'm like, okay, cool, I'm going to go off and get some, uh, some, I don't know, some pitcher that could excite me later on. And there's nothing. You know, you look at the the waiver wire; it's just barren. So what do I do? I take whatever best prospect gets out there at that point, and it might not last for long. Could it just be a day or two until I find a need that I oh, they're that guy. That's the one. Julio Rodriguez could fit that. I can imagine a lot of people drafting him. Uh, come draft season because there's a lot of hype about him in spring training and the CBA rules could be different once again and yeah. all of a sudden the Mariners be more aggressive because we know yeah he's coming up Julio Rodriguez will be on the Mariners sometime in the first half of 2022 in all likelihood I mean they, they've said he's coming up we just don't know how <laughs> that season's going to play out but I, uh, yeah I could see him definitely going in draft this is the one that I, I think the highest chance of actually being drafted um, in March,
1: yeah, I agree with that too. And we weren't crazy, by the way. When Jared Klenick was called up in May, he hit leadoff for every single game that he was in uh, up until the end of May, at which point mm. they dropped him down in the order. Uh, and then when he returned uh, at the end of what is that, July? Uh, Then he was like 6th, 7th, 8th, and they started to drop him down a little bit. But the Mariners have shown that they're not necessarily going to bring up a guy and have him hit 8th or ninth. so Julio Rodriguez could ostensibly come up and try and do some damage right away. Damage! You wanted to wait to talk a little bit about catchers because you're like, why are we going to start this podcast off talking about the one catcher that we're going to talk about? (laughs) Uh, And this is Alejandro Kirk, who's young, man. He's 22 years old, going into his age 23 season with a respectable beginning, 242, 328, 436, with 8 home runs and a near identical walk to K-rate which is also oh, that's pretty, pretty crazy. Cool. Yeah. 10.1 walk rate to 11.6 K-rate in the 60 games that he played. Is this going to be a viable option
2: for 12 teamers at the catcher position? Well, the question is, is Kirk going to be the main guy for the Jays? Mm. If he makes that transition, that is such a potent light up that Kirk can be a, a massive producer from the catcher position. But we just don't know. Danny Jansen has it right now. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But there's a lot of hope and hype about it, especially with that low strikeout rate and a solid amount of power. This can really develop into something. Um, so definitely monitor it. I <laughs> uh, come, come February, March, see if they're actually trusting him more in that discussion. Look, I took Eric Haas at the end of my draft because <laughs> I, I had nothing left. Um, Kirk might be the one that you go with instead.
1: I am so confused as to what they keep seeing in Danny Jansen, right? Like, he was never, he never had the same pedigree that, of course, like Vlad or Bo had, but he did have some pedigree. He was going to be a guy who was really good at OBP. Right. Now, he's a middling framer, but uh, theoretically, Andrew, Alejandro Kirk is actually worse in terms of defense. So maybe there is just like, we want to, you know, have him. I mean, look at his results with Robbie Ray. I mean, obviously, he liked working with Robbie Ray. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of crazy that they haven't made a change. We'll see. Maybe it was just because he's young. Uh, Nick. Hi. We did it, which is I did it from Dave Matthews, uh, but we... we. Um, we made it
2: through the hitters. Yes, we're done. Never again. Fast. <laughs> we pretended enough, and we—that was—that's crazy. We had 53 minutes on hitters. Yeah, we just did that. Dang.
1: Yeah. Um. But now we're gonna move into the people who throw it. Yes. But, but before we do, we're gonna we we take a quick little break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a P.O. PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code We're back. Uh, We're going to talk about relievers. We're going to talk about pitchers. We don't have a lot of guys we're going to talk about because it's the pitcherless mock draft. So, like, everyone's drafted when it comes to these things. Except a couple guys. Except a couple guys. We're going to start with the relievers. And these kind of make sense, okay? We're going to start with Lucas Sims. Um, I mean, when we're talking about relievers at this point, we're really talking about guys who are going to get save opportunities. Right. Right. And Lucas Sims ostensibly could be a guy who gets save opportunities. He does have that fantastic breaking pitch, which is just a joy to see, but didn't have the same productivity this year that he did in 2020, right? I mean, that ERA just completely ballooned. He is a reliever. I mean, the swinging strike rate was where it was in 2019. The K rate was still really, really good. He ended the year with a very respectable seven saves, but it wasn't even a three-headed monster out in Cincinnati. It was like a 40-headed monster. And then they added Michael Givens to that monster, who ended up taking all of the saves, which was just absolutely insane to me. Lucas Sims, I think he's an awesome dude. I love watching his breaking pitches. That's a guy you can just leave on the wire and see what the save situations are in Cincinnati before... Spending a pick on him,
2: yeah. I mean, Lucas Sims, if he gets the job, we are saying it in season. If he gets the job, then this is great. But we just don't know mm. and <laughs> monitor if he has the job Ooh. in February and March. I mean, that's what it is. You know, so, the same goes for the uh, a couple other relievers here. Uh, oh, actually, really more so Tanner Rainey um, because uh, there are the two other guys. But I think it's not really for like the expectation of saves. Uh, but yeah, but Tanner Rainey, I mean, is he going to be the guy in Washington? Nine. <laughs> Why not?
1: Because I think it'll be Kyle Finnegan again.
2: Well, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that that's what you're you're playing that game. And I understand it, too, especially if you only have, say, one closer or so. You're just chasing whoever gets saves. And if yeah. you have an open spot, it's like, oh, cool, that's the biggest need I have. Yeah, all right, take a chance on Lucas Sims. Take a chance on Tanner Rainey. I mean, there's not much more to say there. Take a
1: chance on me. If you love me
2: Did you see I Brian David I- Gilbert's... Uh, ABBA cover for like Halloween villains? I did not Yeah, five sounds, songs. That sounds very it's funny unbelievable. I love Brian David Gilbert If you do too, you are awesome too. If you don't well, you're probably awesome too and you should listen to him ABBA's been burned into my brain Because
1: uh, <laughs> when I, my mom and I went to go see Mama Mia when I was a kid She, I, Honest mm. to God, I think she wore the CD out. You know why I like ABBA? Why? Because they're palindromic The palindromic, yeah, Yeah. that's nice. They're also doing a
2: weird thing with this next tour where they're like turning themselves into avatars of themselves.
1: Really? It's actually really interesting.
2: Did, Did they ever have a song where they have like one verse and then one that doesn't rhyme with it and then that rhymes with itself and then one that rhymes with the first one again? ABBA has defied poetic structure for yeah. years. You understand yeah. me? Yeah. A B B A. That's what's up. Okay. And only works to on. explain it, Nick. Jeez. Only. Only. We have two more relievers here. We and they aren't closers. No, they're not. Devin Williams is another guy that it's
1: like uh, I mean, I, I think he's obviously going to make a full recovery from this unfortunate hand injury that he sustained himself before the playoffs. Right. Obviously that I mean, here's hoping that doesn't impact the airbender. But again, there's such a slew of relievers that are going to pop up. If I'm going to take one, I'm going to take a guy who could theoretically poach save opportunities and they showed this year that he's not going to be that guy. He's going to be the fireman, haters back in that kind of more authoritative closer role. And we've seen what the
2: Brewers can do with reliever arms. So yeah, no thanks. It's uh, a lot of people like the idea of having a middle reliever to help with ratios and strikeouts, and I get that. I mean, Devin Williams uh, did not, you know, it wasn't insignificant getting eighty-seven strikeouts through the year. It is actually kind of funny looking at his page on, on Fangraphs, seeing an eighty out of eighty for his changeup, which is just. You don't really see the 80 grades that often. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're right. It's not really the strategy I go for. I think that's more valuable trying to get, you know, taking chances and making mistakes and getting messy. Of course, a misfrizzle method, as I call it. Uh, Devin Williams just isn't someone for me. Colin McHugh is interesting because uh, I'm curious to see... Uh,
1: he, he's a free agent. He's 35. I don't know what a team is going to do with him, right? There's this is a guy who... Uh, has made starts in the past. He hasn't been a main starter since around 2017. Houston, he kind of converted mostly to relief in 2019 and then r- largely in kind of a reliever opener role uh, for the Rays this year. So, that's another guy where uh, he's just really of no interest to me. Not as a human being. I'm sure he, he seems like a very little guy. <laughs> I hear his podcasts. Fantastic. I just mean in terms of fantasy relevance. There's really not enough there for me.
2: It is really cool though. I, I mean, since the the the, the, the MQ of what 2015 was it 2014 where he really was amazing for a full year he's completely changed himself as a brand new slider I think it's the Brad Peacock slider through over 50% of the time this year it was absurdly effective 36% CSW I, I always like the idea of Colin McHugh starting again I think he actually has that ability it's just yeah, it just hasn't been what he's done, and it really depends if a, if a team wants to take that chance and try and get some long relief or something out of him. But for fantasy purposes, it's just not what I want to go for.
1: We sprinted through the thicket and we've Ooh. made it to the clearing where we feel most comfortable, and that is with the starting pitchers. We've got about seven guys that we want to discuss real quick. We're gonna start with what the a uh,
2: uh, 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 Toby right in and of himself, Chris Flexen. Oh, Chris Flexen's the first one. Yeah, oh, yeah, Chris. Flexen. I mean, okay, so. <laughs> This is actually kind of funny. The staff, uh, <laughs> I <laughs> okay, um, the uh, I asked the staff of the channel, like, hey guys, like, who are the people you considered um, that weren't drafted? And I we had this full list, and I looked back and I looked at my top 100 and noticed that they didn't consider some of the ones that were inside my top 100. Mm-hmm. And I was like, first of all, that's insulting. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Second of all, I was really surprised that Chris Flexen wasn't drafted and it wasn't mentioned. And I, I've called him the Derek Rodriguez of this year being someone that had such a good season that uh next year in drafts we just do not consider. Um we kind of all feel that this isn't going to be replicated. Mm-hmm. Uh three sixty one ERA, one twenty five whip, seventeen percent strikeout rate. He, like, to me he was uh the Holly um the best Toby yeah of the year. Yeah. Um which if you met, if you didn't listen to the first pitch Arizona episode, well, I did all the yes. awards of the year. But yeah Chris Flexen for me, yeah, not something you wanna chase. I don't draft Toby's it's the end of the draft. I don't think that he's going to carry over the same rhythm they had this past year. Fastball cutter was pretty much the game, and it was it worked, I guess, long enough, especially in that second half. It really took off, but this isn't something that I feel confident about out of the gate unless, unless his first start's like the Rangers, and I don't know yet. But if that's the case, I can understand taking Flex in and starting him right away. But uh, it's uh, it's just not what I want to do in general. It's just not the it's not the approach I have. It
1: looks like they're gonna start the season. Yeah, I tried
2: stalling as long as I could. Fast. I know. Sorry. Um. uh,
1: Yeah. I I thought the schedules are out, aren't they? They are.
2: Do you have anything you want to add about Chris Flex? In fact,
1: yeah. I oh man, I got I got taken to a four hundred four not found. Great job, MLB. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to look at a schedule. Um. Uh, the one hesitation that I had that I wanted to bring up is... Oh, they start against Detroit. Detroit and nah. the Angels. I don't want to do that. No. No. Detroit. Nah. The one thing I'll say about them is I am... I am curious to see what the Mariners can do with a full offseason of Chris Flexen and to see what they what tweaks they would want him to make. We have seen what they could do with a guy like you say, Kikuchi, and add some velocity to him, which has had some peaks and valleys here or there. Uh, as you make a face like you just ate seven warheads. Uh, but I, I am a little bit intrigued by that to see what they're going to be able to do with a full offseason of him. They've, they've clearly shown some interest in him. Um, so I, I'll, I'll have to uh, monitor it. Yeah, uh, monitor it. Look at you. Oh, man. What a wise podcaster you are. Yeah, thank you. That, so all wise. my all my expertise goes into <laughs> monitor it when it comes to Chris Flex. And I don't really feel the need to monitor it when it comes to Zach Eflin. Uh, I I think I'm out on the Eflin train. I, I don't think I'm really in any more. Obviously, we've seen stretches where he's been able to put it together. But, I mean, so what am I going to get again? I'm low for
2: ERA with a near... One two five one three whip. Well, you gotta understand though, Eflin's out for a good amount. Uh, oh, It's, that's it's right. probably around until May. He got knee surgery, uh, and we don't even expect him right away. This is not the IL stash you want to make. Um, I I, I will. I, this is kind of funny. Ha. Uh, now this is something that's, that's talked about a lot, I think, is, oh, I want to make sure I have an IL stash out of the gate. Okay. Right? I want to make sure that my—no, this is—like, I took Mike Soroka in my last pick. Of course, okay? yeah, but not Zach Eflin. Well, no, but I, I think what the point—sure, you want to say, like, well, he could be productive when he comes back, and I'll at least give myself that opportunity, and hey, if I need to drop someone, I'll drop him. Like, there's no harm, no foul there, mm-hmm. right? I, I cannot emphasize enough. Like, think of yourself in that position, and when you have someone that's injured, you have two— occupied IL spots one of them is Zach Eflin and you have a third one now and you're thinking okay I could either drop Zach Eflin or I can just you know what it's all right. it's not that bad and you're now making excuses you're now like doing mental gymnastics to justify holding on to Zach Eflin no I've held on him for three weeks so he could be back in three weeks now and I should do this instead of that roster spot trust me you're going to make a bad decision or at least once You're doing this mm. right from From out here is this idea of like no it'll be Easy I'll just drop Eflin if I need the spot And that's that in season You're going to have second thoughts about it and maybe You know what maybe ultimately it was the best decision Or so I, I just Don't want to put myself in there at all I don't want to Make I don't want to allow myself to be Dumb later on yeah and I will Not even stash Zach Eflin Yeah I'm with you
1: I have no interest uh, I also don't really I think I'm it's done, Andrew Heaney. I don't really mind where he ends up. I just don't think I can bring yeah, myself to absolutely
2: do it again. a case of let's see if he's doing something dramatically different, and that's the only thing that will bring me back in. I don't want to take a chance out of the gate.
1: Yeah, there's no point, but I would theoretically take
2: a, a, a flyer on John Gray, depending on where he ends up that's, coming into ooh, next year. We don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like with the Rockies not dealing John Gray, it's like you have to resign with them.
1: You don't have to do a dang thing. Well, I
2: know, but it's about the relationship. He said, "Like, oh, I really like that I'm staying here," and that they're like, "Yeah, we really like John Gray. We just wanna, we just feel it's the right thing to do, not trade him, right?" And if that's the case, then re-sign the guy. Yeah, you know, it's not great for us from the outside. Like, no, we think you can be really much better if you're outside of course because of the, the ERA and everything. But John Gray has had success in cores in the past, and for his sake, it just makes sense at this point. I don't want to chase. It's again another season of figuring out. Is John Gray worthy? And I had the amazing July of throwing harder than ever, and it was the perfect time we thought. And then he got hurt, and then uh, it was just it was yeah, not not actually. Well, he was hurt before, came back, did that, wasn't as good anymore. Whatever. You understand the story. You don't yeah. want to deal with it again. I'm not drafting John Gray.
1: I I will wait and see where if he does indeed get picked up somewhere else. At which point I would Very say fair. let's see the slider. Let's see that slider not in course. And let's for see him also
2: 95-plus, hopefully, as That'd opposed nice. to 94.
1: Um, Edward Cabrera kind of scared me enough where I think there's some other options that I would probably be a little bit more interested in, even theoretically John Gray. Also because if Edward Cabrera doesn't get it right, there's no room in there that really rotation not. for him whatsoever. No. The
2: one positive, I will say, is the last three starts for Edward Cabrera were 7-6-6 six, six strikeout totals, and that was actually limited innings four, 3-3. Three, and three. Uh, so there is some more excitement than there used to be when we first came up. I mean, we we're talking 2-2-1 two, two, strikeout totals in these first three games. Ever Cabrera, you throw super hard. Like, this should not be so hard to do that. And uh, it's good to see he's developing there, but it, the walk rate was high. And, yeah, the Marlins have a lot of options. Sixo Sanchez is coming back, mm-hmm. likely, I think, probably. Eliezer Hernandez, too. And, of course, you have the power three of Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, and Trevor Rogers. So, oh, and then some guy named Hazel Cesardo Who? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then all their other Max prospects. Meyer and, yeah. Oh, man. So, Edward, I'm so sorry. you're I don't want to draft you. Yeah,
1: I just don't know if I see the purpose. Nope. Same kind of with Steven Matz. I mean, he was able to put up 150 innings this year, which is fine. I mean, a 133 whip. One of the better, I think, yeah, one of the best years for him in terms of ERA at 3.82. This you is know, like, the Flenderson.
2: What's that? that That's the best Toby of the year. I gave it to, to Mats I'm thought the, I, I mean, sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, the most Toby of Toby Yeah, I was going to say. I think. How dare you? I gave you. him an award. I don't know if it's right because he is 23% strike error rate. I don't remember. Listen to the podcast. It was a one on the one, I promise. I mean, Matt's is, you know, yeah, as you mentioned, 382 ERA and a 133 whipping. You didn't know, even though he was on the Jays and got 14 wins for you, is this worth my time or not? And I don't really think that Matt's is all of a sudden a brand new pitcher. Then all of a sudden I'm going to be like, oh no, this is totally fine. Now, as I mentioned before, if Mats is going against the Marlins in the first game of the year or something like that, maybe then I could consider, oh, oh, you know what? I actually just want to get that start, stream that, and then move on.
1: If you're talking about, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because you're talking about building a roster, right? I don't know what you would build to have Stephen Mats
2: be the final piece. You well, know what I mean? It's it's if I didn't feel that there was someone else that I needed to stash, that I was like, oh okay, I'm really excited about Joe Ryan or something like that. I want mm-hmm. to see how that pans out or. I don't know uh, other random guys Josiah Gray or something like that if there's Nothing left at the end where I don't feel That uh, there's something that's Worthy to invest in fine I'll just get value the first week and if It's Matt's against the Marlins that Could be the value
1: yeah I think my counter argument Is there's always something you know what I mean There's always some
2: storyline In spring training That I'm gonna pursue Over yeah, Steven Matz yeah. You know what I mean I get that Freddie Peralta Was happening at this time Well right But that's, that's the more Exciting one I mean, Trust me I've been in this situation Where it's like ah, There's nothing I'm like alright fine I guess I'll just get This one start from this sure. guy And okay. that could be him um,
1: I believe the yeah the last guy that we wanted to talk about today is why not end on yeah, Kyle right. Gibson ends the year with that one twenty two whip we don't have to talk to you about how great his first half was at three seventy one ERA something tells me you are staying as far away from Kyle yeah, Gibson as humanly possible this is
2: not it not just, it this is just not it I mean I need to see him just repeatedly have success again for me to think okay fine I'll put myself in harm's way but th- yeah this is not it Gibson over Mats if they're both there at the end of the year. If they're at the end of the draft, it absolutely depends on their first game. Really? Yes. That's interesting. I mean, if the, it, it, it's a matchup at that point, like, do, is there anything about Gibson versus math that makes me think? No, no. Of course, that guy. I think there is. So who is it for? I Gibson. don't even know why. B- because I,
1: who? Like, if Gibson has a 10k game, I'm like, that's interesting. I mean, that's that's Kyle Gibson. But he can do not, it. I don't.
2: I don't have any expectation of that. I feel like it. It would surprise me less if Gibson had a big strikeout wait, wait, game wait, than hold on. Steven Mats. But. Gibson had a twenty point six percent strikeout rate and CMS yeah, had a twenty two in change. That's true. And they bet well, they also pretty much have the same swing strike rate, it, right? It's uh I, I won't even say that it's higher for Matt. I mean, they're both like just I don't know. It's not fun. <laughs> it is not fun. <laughs> you don't wanna you don't wanna go for this. It really just depends on who they're facing and if I'm in that situation, I need someone for that. It's not great. don't do it.
1: I know. It, it is kind of a funny thing to even uh, entertain a conversation <laughs> about where it's like, we really want to talk about Steven Matz versus, wow, I didn't even know that Stephen Matz had a 10K game. This, there oh, we that go. That that one game against the Yankees. There it is. Um, all right. <laughs> we did it. Yes. Nick, we made it. Uh, we are not going to be, uh, oh, I was going to say we're not going to be doing it next week, but it doesn't matter because we have a nice little
2: backlog. Yeah, we, have, we have a lot of them. This is the last we're going to hear a fast for a while. There may for be a some while. a couple times. We have some special podcasts, but yeah. those would be the talking pitching podcasts. Mm-hmm. And we actually have an individual feed for that. So if you didn't hear all the ones we did during quarantine and in the past, you know, there's a lot of guys we talked to. Caleb Smith, we talked to Luke Weaver, we talked to and Tyone and Matthew Boyd, Aaron Savale, Dan Straley, uh, Josiah Gray, Josiah Gray uh, Jesus Cesardo, Pablo Lopez, Trevor May, God, I uh, talk to Jerry Bellevins. I because uh, I don't know how do we do that? <laughs> we did. It was really really cool. I uh, oh of course Dan Straley. I don't know if you mentioned that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen to those, and we're hoping to do some more this this uh, off season, so it's gonna be great. Um, Lewis Thorpe, oh yeah, Louis Thorpe, oh Lewis man, Thorpedo. We gotta, we gotta give him that. Uh, all right,
1: that will do it though for episode number two eighty six. On the corner of the no. o- two eighty seven, yes. on the corner of the official PitcherList.com com podcast. I'm your host Alex Fast, and I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys
2: next week.